Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. On Giddy Up, it's time for the debate. Brett O'Brien from the straight.com.au. Hello to you, mate. Hello, Gareth. How are you? Another interesting week in the world of racing. It never, never ends, does it? There's always plenty to go on. And it's good to have some good horses back. I mean, not saying that, you know, January, the Magic Millions Carnival is fantastic, but it's just that sense of excitement when we start to see these early trialers and start to get these horses back towards the autumn. It's it's that feeling that you've, you're, it's quite familiar. It's the same feeling you get sort of in early September, I suppose, as a racing fan. And it's, yeah, it's good to, it's good to see some of these sort of group one stars making their way back to the track. I think it's going to be an interesting carnival and uh, I can't wait for it. Mickey Gannon, I'll tell you what, you're in Zoom, so our listeners can't see you, but I don't think I've ever seen you look better. You look tan, you look younger, you look like you've grown more hair. Um, what have you been doing on that holiday? <laughs> morning g yeah uh it's the holiday the gift that keeps on giving uh bren good morning uh yeah no flying thanks mate got a haircut and spoke to your barber he said short back and sides is all you need and you look 20 years younger i'm just getting a picture of you just to prove to people um i don't know if you've got a <laughs> if you've got a um special camera that makes you look like you're looking at the moment it's, i've never seen you look better it's been an extraordinary start well the, the, the missus gave me a, a bit of a backhand and she said you need to sort yourself out because that hair is horrific oh there you go well i love that she wants to see the best of you mickey gannon don't worry yeah. about that hey um so let's get stuck into the bait there, there's plenty to have a chat about let's i want to talk about alligator blood first of all is it the last time we've seen him at the races i think like Gay Waterhouse and Andrew and Bod, I think what they've been able to achieve with Alligator Blood has been the greatest achievement in racing since I've been following Gay anyway, especially. We all know how Adrian's come onto the scene and he's and he's improved Gay's stable. There's no doubt about that since they've had a partnership. Gay's been a better trainer. I think Alligator Blood has been the, the pit-up horse in a way. He's been the, the horse that's led the way with the way that they've gone about it. Yes, they've had success with their juveniles, but... To see what this galloper, this amazing galloper, has done since joining Gay Stable and coming off that injury from, with kissing spine, we all thought he, he was finished and then he couldn't run in certain states. So his preparation would get stuffed around as they tried to work out where he could go and they were waiting for decisions from administrators and even waiting for Supreme Court decisions. But he found a way to win multiple group ones. And for him to have 12 months off at his age... And in the world that we live in, it, it's difficult to not only get him back with that rehab, but then get him to, to compete at the highest level. Oh, I think it's the last time we've seen Alligator Blood, sadly. And um, he'll go down as one of my favourites. My favourite moment for him, when I think back, Mickey Gannon, would be that might and power victory in the spring when there was talk maybe has he come back or not. And he, he won like might and power that day. 
It was phenomenal, G. It really was. There's so many great Group 1 victories since coming from, I think it was Billy Healy, ended up coming from to uh, to Gay and Adrian's. And, you know, I think the interesting thing was this, this Galloper ran, uh, ran six in a Group 3, the George Moore, before running eighth in a listed race, went to Gay and Adrian. I think it's one nearly, might, might have been five or six Group 1s. Mm. Phenomenal stuff. That might empower you talk of enormous. But, uh, you know, just coming out winning that first Group 1, the Stradbroke yes. in Queensland, um, you know, there's so much. You're betting a horse by the name of Private Eye, like phenomenal stuff. The that the narrative around this story and this horse and the story has been phenomenal. Really good for racing. Totally agree, Bren. He's a he's a phenomenal horse, and it's interesting when you go through his history. I don't think we've had a horse which has um had as much uh, headlines as what Alligator Blood has for various different reasons. I mean, if you were to write a book. There's probably few, few horses that have as much drama when you think about, I mean, you go back to Magic Millions Day and I know that you know, subsequently there was issues around the positive test and the race being taken off and all that sort of stuff. But that Magic Millions Day in, uh, in I think it was 2019 from memory, uh, when when he was stuck on the highway and there was issues yeah. with traffic and they couldn't get him to the, to the track and then, you know, all that stuff that went on with that was extraordinary. He came out and won the race. He proved himself a little bit of a champ that day. Um, and then obviously we, we lost him for a while. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Obviously, there was injury issues and then there was issues around the ownership and then there was all sorts of things going on. I mean, he's a sort of, um, you know, he, he will sit in history as one of those horses who just created his own, yeah. sort of succeed despite of his own um, his own challenges, despite all the stuff that was going on. And in the end, he proved himself such a wonderfully consistent galloper. And it was fascinating in the end, he, he became a real sort of old school gay waterhouse horse. Remember those, yeah, the great Gay Waterhouse sort of uh, wait for age horses of the of the nineteen nineties. They they just kept buttering up year after year and being tremendously consistent and being campaigned through multiple races through through carnivals and turning up every time and winning more often than not. Uh, he's, I'll I'll put his Stradbroke winner as the as yeah. his best win because I felt like that was you know a, an exceptional performance from a horse that at that stage we didn't know where he sat in the. Uh, in, in the scheme of things, um, and that was a that was an exceptional win. But he's he's created so many memories, and I think that um, the only thing I'll say about him is, yeah, in every any other horse, you tell me he's had the injury he's had at his age. Yeah, no, nah, he's probably not coming back. But this bloke tends to rewrite the script a little bit, and I just wouldn't be completely surprised if he turns up next year and he's jumping around the paddock and they go, yeah, why not? Let's give him another roll and see how he goes because he's that sort of horse. He could turn up as a eight-year-old, nine-year-old and continue to, continue to yeah, uh, uh, yeah, give himself credit in terms of the way he performs. Yeah, I'm, you can't write him off. I just think it's unlikely. And we would love to see him come back because when you think about it, that would be the perfect end to a fairy tale career because I don't think in my time following the game, I've never seen a storyline like this with alligator blood. So He's trained by David Van Dyke after being purchased for basically nothing at a Magic Million sale. David Van Dyke is a former drug addict and he was going through a journey to get back on his feet and he needed a good horse to resurrect his career. Alligator Blood came along and by Alligator Blood coming along, it allowed David Van Dyke to tell his story. I think his stories inspired a lot of people and I saw him at the sales again in New Zealand and David Van Dyke has never looked better. From a man that was on the streets from drug addiction and basically had nearly given up and to do what he's able to do now and to function like he's doing is an inspiration to everybody. So an alligator blood allowed David Van Dyke to tell that story in a way. And then obviously that situation on the Gold Coast when the helicopters were showing that he was stuck on that freeway, he finally makes it to the races. They had to bend the rules a little bit. He races, he wins. 
and then he wins in emphatic fashion. And we thought, well, the sky's the limit. He gets un- he gets beaten in an unbeatable race when you look at that race a hundred times in a Caulfield Guineas at the Furlong. Like he's not getting beat that day. And <sighs> Super Seth jumps out of the ground and nails him right on the post. And you feel for Ryan Maloney and David Van Dyke. And you think, geez, like he deserved that big group one alligator blood. But before that, remember that boom Kiwi catalyst came to town at Flemington and alligator blood looked at him and went bang and just, and, and, and taught him a lesson. And then he had that kissing spine. No one heard of young Healy. And he probably was an underrated hero in this particular storyline because the job that he did with that horse rehab and the time that he took with that horse probably allowed Gay and Adrian in a way to have the success that, he, he hit, well, they did with alligator blood. And then kissing spine, no one really comes back from that. Stradbroke, he won like Farlap Day with that turn of foot and he came off the pace and then the rest is history. So what a life he's had, alligator blood. Um, and I hope we do see him back at the races. Now, Mr. Brightside, when you have a look at the future market, so here was his great danger in the futurity and the all stakes to kick off the spring. So the market's changed quite considerably now. So Mr. Brightside for the Futurity is two fifty for the All Stakes before the the Futurity is two dollars ten. The All Star Mile now, um, you've got Mr. Brightside at four dollars. Fangirl, who I think still unlikely to come to Caulfield for the All Star Mile at nine dollars, and then Pride of Jenny, Berkshire Shadow at eleven dollars. A tissue at thirteen dollars. So Mr. Brightside, Mickey Gannon could just completely dominate, especially the early part of the the spring in Melbourne. In fact, he's going to have four runs in the autumn here in Melbourne, um, all at group one level, all for charity, all star mile and all star miles, not a group one, but it should be a group one. And then of course the Australian cup, which he just having a look at the Australian cup market, he would be a dominant favorite there as well. Yes. $4.50 a tissue at $11. He could do a winks this autumn. Yeah, I, I had it marked down. CF4, Futurity, All-Star Mile. I wasn't sure where he went after that. Obviously, the uh, a race like the Doncaster will probably carry far too much weight. But, uh, the no, Australian definitely Cup Australian Cup. He goes to the Australian Cup. He'll have five runs his preparation, Australia Cup, and then ends with the Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. Well, there's every chance his horse wins all 5G because uh, they're falling away, the opposition, and all reports are the horse has improved. <laughs> Phenomenal stuff. Last preparation, what zero point one lengths beaten by a uh, by the uh, Hong Kong horse in a Cox Plate. It wouldn't surprise me to see him come out and win a Cox Plate this year. Yeah, there you go. Well, he takes on Dubai on as the favourite. I think he's coming. So if this is for the Queen Elizabeth. He's at ten dollars, Mister Brightside. There for the Queen Elizabeth. Amelia's jewel won't be going there. I can't believe she's that high in the market at thirteen dollars. So that's the. The Queen Elizabeth there, Bren. Your thoughts on Mr. Brightside? I think he'll be the king of Melbourne anyway by the end of the autumn. Yeah, well, we saw last spring. He got up about last spring, you know, and knocked off the Lawrence Stakes, the Nemsey Stakes, and the Maccabi Diva Stakes before we even, you know, reached the end of September. So, you know, there was two group two. I showed group two and two group ones. So there's plenty on offer there. Um, yeah, he's the benchmark. The only thing I'll say is this time of year, we can see horses improve significantly off the spring. Uh, we'll be interested to see what the three-year-old contingent comes forward with and what's there. I guess... The challenge is if he stays primarily in Melbourne, with the exception probably of the Queen Elizabeth, you know, who does he take on in, in Melbourne? That's the question. And then who's going to knock him off the perch? I mean, and again, another amazing story. A horse that came out of yeah, obscure sideline in New Zealand with very, um, you know, bought, bought off a trial. Yeah. Being able to do what he's been able to do is quite quite extraordinary. And, and you know, 
at the moment, he's got four Group 1s to his credit. From what you guys are talking about, he could have anywhere between six and seven Group 1s on his on his resume by the end of end of the autumn. So it's, yeah, we're talking about a very high-class horse. The challenge is you've just got to come back year after year and put yourself out there. And as we're seeing with these older horses, if it's something they put a foot in the wrong place or whatever, you know, it, it can, you know, not, not wishing bad, you know, on any of these horses, but things can go, go wrong pretty quickly. So it'll be interesting to see what works out. I'm not confident that he'll he'll run through the way that he did, but I'm, I, I think... I'm not too sure where it's going to come from, but I think it's a challenger will emerge um, in the autumn, as it often does through these carnivals. You can listen to an interview I did with Phil Cataldo there yesterday. He's a bloodstock agent in, in New Zealand, and he's had so much success. He purchased on Thunderstruck from the trials. He purchased Mr. Brightside actually from a yearling, um, and he's purchased a lot of the Mick Price, Michael Kent Jr. horses over the years, a lot of Gabe Waterhouse's New Zealand superstars, especially going back more than a decade now, like Des uh, Desperado, those type of horses, Phil was able to purchase for those particular stables. But he picked out Brightside. I think he purchased him for under, what, just over $20,000 at the yearling sales at Caraca. In book two, he was by bull bars, but he was an athletic type. All the, that's what Phil thought anyway. And then he got passed in at two sales, and now he's... He, he, like he'll have to go down as one of our greats. If he wins all of those group ones that we're predicting, then his prize money will be close to sixteen, seventeen million dollars. It'll be it's incredible. It's eight, nearly eight million dollars now. Yeah, yeah, it'll get there. And you know, uh, actually, I'm looking at the wrong horse. That's alligator blood. Sorry, G. But yeah, I, he's, I think he's nine um, million. He's nine million. Nine million. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. It'll, it'll get. It'll be up there. I, I just think the profile of this horse is. We probably underrated him significantly. I did. And now he's now he's got a few horses that fall away, and he, yeah, you're spot on. He could easily be one of our best ever race horses, which is scary because I don't think I would have said that this time last year. Yeah, I think he's better if he wins those races that I think he can win. Is he better than Better Loosen Up, Brent? It's a great debate to have. Better Loosen no, Up was I, a dead my, set my champion. No, but but I, I'm whatever whatever the opposite of recency bias is. I don't. I have. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got anti-recency bias, but I mean, maybe passed on pedestal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, there's a bit to be proven yet. Um, but he's, he's no doubt he's an absolute star and, and, uh, you know, a remarkable horse and a horse that's continued to improve as he's gone through his campaign. Yeah. So, um, I, I think there's a little bit to be written yet and we'll see what happens. Well, I think he needs to win a Cox plate, G. If he yeah. wins a Cox plate, I think then you, then you can go right. He's, he's, that's yeah. He's got similar, he's got a, such a similar story to better loosen up. Better Loosen Up was a dead set champion and he probably has got a little bit more ground to make up on him. But both horses were there when Lindsay Park was in transition. They both needed, like David Hayes needed a superstar. He got Better Loosen Up. The the boys needed a superstar. They got Mr. Brightside. So, um, and they've been able to achieve so many great things. And I was with Ben Hayes at the airport the other day and he kept showing me where he was situated at Mooney Valley for that Cox Plate. And that angle when you watch it from Ben's phone, when someone was videoing it, he dead set looks like he's one by half a length. And, oh. and my heart broke for Benny once again. Delete it, Ben. Delete it. Hey, he keeps on looking <laughs> at it. He goes, Gareth, how did how did I lose this Cox plate? I might get him to send it to us. How like how did he lose that Cox plate? When you watch that video, it looks like he won by half a length. Um, yeah. it's I'll like tell you what I say. Like I'll tell you what I say. It was though, like G. getting the quaddy. And then losing it on protest. Like you think you're home. It'll make them hungrier. It'll make them hungrier. Yeah, and and no this, horse, this horse can definitely come back and win, win a Cox Plate. Just on the Better Loosen Up comparison, Better Loosen Up won 17 of 45. Mr. Brightside's won 14 of 29. There's a bit more uh, of that story to come, I think, G. Yeah. Um, they'll get very close. I was just thinking if you put a gun to David Hayes's head and you said, David, you've got to choose one 
particular horse's name? Who will it be? Better loosen up or Mr. Brightside Lodge um, for Lindsay Park? But he, he's got better, definitely better loosen up every yeah. other week. Sorry, I can't have it at the moment. Let's have this discussion at the end of the end of the autumn, Gareth. We might be somewhere near it, but let's not get too carried away. Jeez, I love it, Bren. Off the easy, yeah, I love it. He, he was. He didn't want to come off the long run, and then he just uh, he just shook his head in disbelief. There on uh, we wound him up. Yeah. We got him there, G. <laughs> the we got him there. To long run. Hey, I don't to... want. To, I, I just don't want to be categorised as one of those uh, guys that back in back in my days, guys. But um, when you start, yeah, it's it's yeah. I'm yeah. I'm trying to find a comparison, trying to compare, you know, cricketers or footballers or something to to where we are today. But I actually can't find a comparison. I, I think him. No. I think he's miles off yet. But yeah, if he comes out with a cock plate, then we can we can have that discussion. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more. This is Giddy Up on this Wednesday. It's the Wednesday debate. Gareth Hall, Breno O'Brien, and Mickey Gannon with you. Welcome back to Giddy Up, Gareth Hall with you on this Wednesday morning. It's 8.28 in the east, 7.28 in Queensland, 5.28 in WA, and 10.28 with our friends in New Zealand. There's a horse that ever... My phone went off there the last couple of days about Gareth. You see that Matt Damon's got a horse racing today in Sydney. Terrific for the game. It's got everybody talking about a two-year-old race, which will be the, I think it's the first race there at Ramwick today. Horse by the name of Dale, trained by Matt Damon's great mate, Paul Massara. Um, it's at $5. It's the son of Castle Vecchio. It's a two-year-old colt. Timmy Clark takes the ride. Brent, this, this, this will be the most anticipated Wednesday afternoon race in Sydney for quite some time. Um, you're often accused of being a bit guilty of being focused on price tags of horses and all that sort of stuff. And um, I'm probably as guilty as anybody else working a fair bit in the bloodstock game. But um, there's a two and a half million dollar horse in this race, yep. uh, Railway Man. And we're talking about a horse named Dale. Yes. Who got passed in the Magic Millions, which I think is actually great for the game. Like, you know, it's great for the, great for the, I mean, yeah, narrative's a bit of a despised word, but it's great for the narrative of the game to be talking about that. And to have a, a, you know, a Hollywood superstar involved with a horse, um, I remember seeing you know, pictures of Matt Damon at, at uh, Flemington last year thinking, oh, that's interesting. Didn't realise he was, you know, whether they invited him along or whether whatever it was, he was there. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if there's a, a lead in there. And obviously credit to Paul Massara and um, and, and one of his mates there who have got, who have got um, Matt Damon involved in this horse. And yeah, it's great. It's a great story. Like hopefully the horse comes out and performs well, as we know. You know, there's no guarantee of that, but um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's 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 good to have a horse there. And I think yeah, from a breeding perspective, Castlevecchio, uh, that you you'll remember Gareth came out and won his maiden about this time of year in spectacular fashion, about fifty to one, uh, and then came out and won the English Millennium in his next start. So um, yeah, there's a little bit of precedent there in terms of the sideline and where things sit. Um, there obviously the Arrowfield connection there, bred by Arrowfield, and um, int really interesting horse. And 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 yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to see how it goes. And yeah, no doubt uh, it'll create plenty of headlines should he perform up to uh, up to expectation. Not sure about the name, uh, mm. but that's fine. There is a there's a, a connection there to a movie that uh, Matt Damon and his daughter like, which is which is fine. Um, we got a we we recently got a cat called Dale that came in here, and we we changed his name straight away because we thought it was a terrible name for a cat. So yeah. I'm not too sure if Dale is a name for a horse, but good on Matt Damon and best of luck with him. Yep, Mickey G. He's coming off a long run up today, Brent. We've, we've wound him up, G, and now he's having a crack at the names. I love it. Oh, this is fantastic. This is just so good for racing. Uh, the more the, the more influencer marketing, they call this, essentially, but the, the more of these big names we can we can get involved, uh, whether they're Australia or international names in this game, the more eyes are going to be on this race. And I, I just think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing for the game. Uh, how does a horse go? Well, I'll tell you what. 
It's been back from tens into fives. I don't think it'll be winning today. I think it'd be better over the mile. But gee whiz, I hope it mm. puts in a big performance because this is the kind of stuff that will make mainstream media. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So it's 550 day with Bet365. Ever flows at 750. This is a top class two year old race. Get a fixes trial sensationally, Mick. Um, 390 now with Bet365. The horse that Brem was talking about, rail mate, Railway Man, that was purchased at the Magic Million sale last year for $2.5 million. It's out of that wonderful mare and Booker. It's a cop by him Invincible, J-Mac Wrights. It's at 260. And I tell you what, I zealously was a horse that I put in my black book from the trials there the other day behind um, its stable mates. And it's at $5.50. So this is a race that will produce a good horse, Mickey. Cracking race, yeah. Wouldn't surprise to see, uh, well, any of these probably maybe barring Iceman come out and uh, and, and be very successful in Metro Metro grade. They're very, very good race. Can't wait. Probably the best race of the day. I won't be betting no. because uh, <laughs> maybe our great man Dean Watley might be able to find something so, for the trials, but fair dinkum, it's a good race. Apart from King Charles and the Queen Elizabeth, who's been the biggest, most, um, uh, the biggest celebrity to race a horse in this country? Other than you, G? Yeah, oh, that's a good question, Gareth. We'll have to have a think about that. If you know of one, let us know. 0499 That'll That could be your numbers, man. That'll stuff you off for a little bit, Brent, digging deep into the research there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, leave that, I'll leave that to the masses, I think, yeah, Gareth. So I, 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 I actually like, was just trying to think then, and I was just drew a complete blank, but that's yeah. maybe maybe my, uh, the way my mind uh, my mind works. But these two rod races at this sorry, sorry, these two rod races this time of year are always fascinating races. We see some very good horses come out of it, often horses that perform well as three rolls. So they're worth watching anyway. Um I'm just gonna ask you, Mickey, like from a punting perspective, if you've got a if you've got a um a feeling that the Dale money that's come in is actually just people wanting to get on the Matt Damon train. Do you go against it? Do you do you look for an opportunity there that, that he's overbet because the the market the markets get to getting too excited about the fact that Matt Damon's involved? A hundred percent. I think Dale will be overbet, and I think Railman will be overbet as well, just purely off off the suggestion you know, two million dollar uh, purchase. So I think it gives us a big opportunity around get a fix and things like that. But two year old races aren't my thing. But if Dean Watling comes on and says get a fix is trial better than all of these drawn Barry one with Nashua Willer and I get a push from someone like that in a trials, then yeah, I'll definitely have a bet around those two horses. Just having a look at the celebrities that love horse racing. Steven Spielberg loves his horse racing. Um, who else? Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber came to mind. Maybe I'm going yes. back to the '80s again, but of course he was in, he's been involved in that two down Lizzie and yeah. obviously with horses across across the thing. He was a you know someone who's famous in the '80s and '90s and again yeah. going back to the better loosen up conversation. Ronnie Stone, no, Ronnie Rolling Stones guitarist Ronnie Wood. Um, he has a stud farm in in Ireland. So there you go. Obviously, Nikola Jokic yeah. would have to be the uh, the biggest yeah. name, but he's in harness racing, of yeah. course. But uh, wow, you know, we're going to find we're going to we're going to find big Jokic as champion standard bred from Australia that he can race over in Let's the states. It. He's great mates with Tim Tetrick. In fact, he's great mates, not mates, but he knows a lot of the Australian drivers. I was with Dexter Dunn the other day. He's the world's best driver, I think you could say now, um, and he goes to the trots when he can. Um, Jokic, so we'll have to get him on the show. I've tried. I thought I was going to get him on the show. I just got a little bit more work to do. Um, we'll take a quick break. It's 8.34. <laughs> this is Giddy Up's Wednesday debate. We'll come back with plenty more straight after this. Just a few text messages, and you have to agree with our listeners as well, Bren, they're with you. Brightside's got a long way to go. When you have a look at that resume through the 90-91 season, Cox Plate, Australia Cup, and the big one, the Japan Cup. Mr. Brightside could nearly win two Cox Plates, and I don't think he could surpass 
better loosen up when, when he wins a Japan Cup because we know how hard. And obviously, it would have been a lot easier to win a Japan Cup back then than it is today because how far the Japanese breed has come. But um, to win a Japan Cup, it's still going to be pretty hard to beat the bright side to get past. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more. In fact, it's news time. Text messages coming through now, 0499736736 to join our conversation. And uh, best text message today wins 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with the card at the beautiful Mandalay Golf Course. And you can play for just $99 midweek at the Mandalay Golf Course. Um, that's with the mate. And you get some a drinks, a drinks package and a card. And all you need to do is book and visit mandalay.com.au. Now, Nikola Jokic, yeah, Devon the Nugget superstar, loves his harness, even drives and races in the off-season in Serbia. Michael Owen's another one that comes to mind. Sir Alex Ferguson, Gareth, loves his racing. So keep them coming, 0499 736 736. Let's move on uh, to our next topic of conversation with the debate. Um, is Prasir the new king of New Zealand racing? Breno O'Brien, this is a question for you, I guess. He... Savabil was still the, the top-rated stallion at the Caracas sales for book one anyway um, this year. It finished book one yesterday, but geez, Prasir was the talk of the, the, the sales. This time next year, do you think, or maybe this time in a couple of years, will Prasir surpass Savabil, who's getting a little older these days? He is, and um, you know, of course, Prasir knocked off Savabil for the champion New Zealand stallion crown last season. Yes. Uh, his long reign, so I think that was, you know, it, it was... It, it, obviously, the changing of the guard, I guess, I mean, if you look at the overall averages, and I'm just having a, qu a quickly quick look up at the moment for the sale, he did outperform, Pricey did outperform Bill in overall averages for the sale, 274,000 to 261,000. That's significant um, from the fact that, you know, they both had like large amount of horses, 27 yeah. sold, lots sold for Pricey and 41 for Bill. So that does show his commercial uh, nature is getting greater. I think um, the, probably the most amazing thing about that is that, that two hundred seventy-four thousand dollars average is off a seventeen and a half thousand dollars surface fee. Yeah, so he's amazing. returning enormous amounts back to his yeah. back to those breeders who supported him back in the days. And so, um, yeah, that that's a, a great thing for Pricey to be able to do that. I I just run a a comparison on the two of them at the at the same stage of their careers in terms of breeding career to see where sort of Pricey's sort of headed to, as opposed to Saberville. And if you look at them now, Saberville was ahead at the same, same point. He had 30 stakes winners compared to Pricey, who's got 16 at the moment. So he's not quite tracking at the same rate. However, when it comes to getting good horses, he has six Group 1 winners at, the, at this stage, Pricey, yeah. of his career. Saberville had three at the same stage. Who's the, um, who's the best of the Pricey Group 1 winners? Is it Prowess? I would think Prowess. Um, Levante's won multiple Group 1s. Yes. Um, but uh, Prowess and Legato are probably the two that you yeah. that you're probably most 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 thinking about, and 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 that Prowess thing obviously hooks into the fact that her um her full sister sold for one point six million dollars at Caracas mm. on Sunday, which is a a record price for affiliate to sale. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and that was yeah, yeah that, Peter Moody bought, bought into her, and and yeah. and and that was a, a an interesting one because for a horse a filly of that value, when you're buying when you're buying fillies at that value, it is that um. Yeah, it, it is for far more than just their racing career. It's obviously residual value built in there. So it says a lot about Poissier that they've got. We've now got these horses that are able to, uh, yeah, that, that are worth much more than just as race yeah. horses. There's there's that residual value building on, and that's how stallions like him become superstar stallions when they when their value starts getting accelerated. Uh, 
you know, of, of their progeny because of um, what they can you know, provide in the long term. So I think that's a pretty a, a really interesting point of point of view around that. And I think Prati is a, a horse that's only going to go on the up, and he's only he's getting better and better mares. And we're probably going to see that sort of grow a lot in the next few years. For the Baker family and Hallmark Farm, what about that? A $17,000 service fee for Prasier out of a $20,000 mare that they purchased at the sale. Two years later, they sell it for $1.6 million. That's not bad business at all. And we should try and do that, lads, one day. It's pretty easy, I think, to breed horses. I don't know what all the fuss is all about. Eight forty. We go broke. Yeah, let's take a break. We'll come back with plenty more. The next question we'll post to you after Zach Purton. Won six races there in Hong Kong on Sunday. Mickey Gannon believes he's the best in the world, clearly. Do you agree? Welcome back to Giddy Up. Gareth Hall with you. This is the Wednesday debate. Ren O'Brien from thestraight.com.au. Mickey Gannon with me. A lot of feedback coming through, Mickey Gannon, from your comments there the other day in our pre-meeting that Zach Purton's the best jockey in the world after six winners at Chartin the other day, which didn't include Lucky Swainess that was the favourite for the, the Group 1 sprint on that particular night, Mickey Gannon. So is it true? Are you still sticking with that Zach Purton is the best in the world? Clearly the best in the world now, G. Uh, as we sit, and your man J-Mac's not far behind, but, you know, Zachary and six winners, SPs of $4, $8.50, $3.90, $1.45. Fair enough. They're probably mm. going to win two out of three times. $4.60 and $4.40. And I'd suggest to you the $3.90, the $1.45, Sorry. the $4.60, and the $4.40. G, I suggest to you, don't worry about J Mac. Tell him he can wait. No, my phone's I suggest ringing. To you... Ryan Moore is on the phone. He says, Oh, please. <laughs> Hello, Mick. Who? Ryan Moore. Oh, give, give it a rest. But these, these, guys, these guys are, these guys, right? J Mac and Zach Burton, they are riding in jurisdictions for real big money, real yeah. cash prize money, like real big stuff with competitive jockey rooms. Who's Ryan Moore coming up against? Your mate, Jamie Spencer, please. No, there's a couple of nominations for Jamie Spencer. Um, oh, oh, in the lay bid. No, Ryan Moore does ride against the world's best in Europe and he dominated in America recently as well. So, Ryan Moore is the best jockey in the world. I think J-Mac admits that. I think J-Mac and Zach Purton are head for head. I might have J-Mac nose in front of him, but I tell you he's a man that's not far away. In fact, I put him on in the same conversation um, as those four jockeys that I've mentioned is Damien Lane. I've never seen anyone. Recency bias, yeah, son. No, Come he's on. Domin- he's good. He's, like, he's, he's good. proven in Japan. He's dominating Melbourne at the moment, um, Bren O'Brien. So, yeah, I think Armour is still in front, um, but there's some – there's some people chasing him. I think you've, 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 you've all missed one. Absolutely missed one here. Who? Christopher Mayer. Mm. He's a champion jockey in Japan the last two years. Talk about tough jurisdictions. Uh, Yuga Kawada is an absolute champion. He's against him, you know, race on race. Um, you know, I think, you know, what Christoph's been able to achieve to go to Japan and be able to do as, as well as he has is quite remarkable. And I think at the moment, he's riding as well as any of them. The only thing I'll say about Zach, I think Zach's an absolute superstar. I think the only knock on him is uh, that, but the absence of of Joe Moreira does does impact the fact that if you ride six winners, as you said, all good SPs, all that type of stuff. But he is the dominant jockey. He gets and, the better rides. He doesn't have to compete with Joe for rides anymore. He doesn't have to compete with Joe on the track anymore. Um, it does make it a little bit more straightforward for him. Not saying it's it's easy. Um, yeah, it, it would be fascinating to see them. Um, all you know, head to head over a period of time. I, I'm a huge J Mac fan. I think he's a, an absolute terrific jockey. And you look at his stats; they they stack up to any in history. 
Um, I'm throwing in Christophe Lemire as a yeah a bit yeah. of a left field one, but I think it. you know it's it's easy not to uh, it's easy not to think globally. It is a global sport, and, um, and it's easy to think about in Australian jockeys. And I think that there's a lot of great jockeys out there. And put it, it's it's hard really to make comment about like there could be an American rider, a Brazilian rider that we've missed along the way. It's hard to keep an eye on all of the racing around the world, but um, yeah, it's a good debate to have. It's a great pub debate. I tell you, stiff. Muzi Yanni and Samanga Kamalo are stiff not to miss my top five. I love them <laughs> in South Africa. We'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap up the West State debate. Yeah, this is Giddy Up in the Wednesday debate. Thomas Doyle is the best jockey, hard to argue. Back-to-back King Island Cups for Thomas Doyle. He's definitely the most popular jockey nearly in the country. If Ryan Moore is no good, Mick, then why every time he comes to Australia to the best jockey room. He rides winners, Melbourne Cup winners, slipper winners. He's one of the, the best, sure, mate. Um, um, I'm sure if you gave him sectional instructions, he would listen, mate. That's from Jess from Sydney. Yeah, you got to put yourself off mute there, Mick. You got me, G? Yeah, yeah, loud and clear now. Ah, oh, it's a good point from Jess. Good on you. Yeah. I like it. Um Militarised, will he be the best three-year-old by the end of the autumn, Bren? He's a beautifully bred galloper. Henry Field will join me a little later on. He disappointed or he didn't go to plan there um, towards the back end of the spring carnival and the Cox Plate and the Caulfield Guineas. Can he make a statement, put his hand up this time around? I think he's the, you know, he's the benchmark material, I think. He's the one that they've got to beat, um, you know, in terms of those, those, I guess, Guineas types type races and going through going through in the autumn so yeah he's an extremely valuable stallion as you mentioned there you know he's he's uh, a dual grip one winning two-year-old who then went on one of golden roses as a, as a three-year-old so you think this is his you probably i mean interesting what henry says when it says it's his last last campaign um you think he probably had dr stud relatively soon um yeah and i think things can either go one or two ways for these horses at this stage of their their careers they can either go on the up very quickly and continue to win races or we can see them sort of shuffled off off stage relatively quickly. So it'd be fascinating to see what happens with him. I don't think he's a clear cut best one. There's a couple of horses coming from sort of left of field, which might be interesting. I mean, you might be able to share some insight on Crocetti from New Zealand. Gareth, who's a horse that's come through yeah, and like won th- seven of seven and absolutely flying at the moment. I think he's only having one run in New Zealand then to the paddock. My mail that, is. Yep. That's a shame. Yep. That's a shame because it'd be great to see him come to We've seen these Kiwi horses come to Australia in the autumn before and really make their presence felt. So he's a horse that's definitely one to watch out for the future given he's, yeah, he, he, I think he's, I said he's seven from seven. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, well, I won the New Zealand 2000 guineas in pretty emphatic fashion. All right, then, boys, just quickly, um, your thoughts, Mickey Gannon? Uh, if, if you see Militarized take the same improvement King Colorado has, well, Look out. he'll be unbeatable. Yeah. Hey, but uh, I think yeah. King Colorado's come back pretty good, so be, I can be pretty close between those two. One of the most ridiculous things in racing ever is that Kirima has to start from scratch in a premiership oh. now for the trainers. How does that work, Bren? I'm staggered by that. Common sense should prevail. Yeah, it is an interesting one, and we don't usually say these partnerships end, you know, end, end this time of year. So that's probably the probably the thing that's probably a bit unusual about it. Someone just pointed out on social media, which can be used sometimes to, what, so what happens if two trainers join forces in the middle of the year? Does that does that mean in Kiramar's argument that they should get the combination of their winners going forward? <laughs> it's an interesting point of view. So there's a few different points of view on this one, but mm. I, I think they view it as a different training relationship. Although under Racing Australia, if you search under Kieran Ma's name, all those winners from this year still come through. So I'm not too sure yeah. where it sits, but I can see I can see both points of view. 
Mickey yeah, Dan I think I think adding them together is a no-brainer. Clearly not. And I think if one falls off and goes to a different jurisdiction, then play on. He, he yeah. should be able to keep those wins in the premiership tally. Just another silly decision. Kiramar might win the Melbourne Premiership with David Eustace and finish third by himself, the way it's going. Um, <laughs> you'll make up a bit of ground in the concluding stages as well. Thanks for that, lads. A lot of fun. Thanks, Jake. Breno O'Brien, you can catch all of his work at thestraight.com and then Mickey Gannon will join us a little later on for the great tip-off.